inside the NRL. Ivan Cleary and Wayne Bennett ignite a finals feud for the ages. The Bunnies' title charge is back on. Jai Arrow joins us for a chat. We ask where it all went wrong for Tommy Turbo and Keith Seagulls ahead of two All-Sydney semi-final showdowns. And is Billy the Kid ready to become Billy the Coach as Slater eyes off the Maroons' top job? We were reminded in week one of the finals just why we love our footy in September. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. I'm Zach Bailey. Thanks for joining us as we count down to this weekend's semi-finals. Lucky enough to be joined by 2010 Premiership winner Jamie Soward. Zach. And Michael Chambers from the Sydney Morning Herald. How are you? Zachary, very well, thank you. The footy across the weekend, two thrilling elimination finals. The Storm, will they stamp their authority as Premiership favourites? While their closest rival in many of our eyes, the Penrith Panthers suffered a shock loss to South Sydney. So it sets up an intriguing battle across this week two of the finals. Let's see how the competition will go moving forward in terms of the brackets of where teams will face off. So we're down to six teams, the Knights and Titans, they're gone. Six will become four after the semis this week. And the Storm and Rabbitohs, as you can see there, they're through to the prelims. So they'll put their feet up this weekend. It's all on the line for the Seagulls, who will look to keep their season alive with a win against the Roosters on Friday night before the previously fancied Panthers aim to shake off their stunning loss to South Sydney with a win against their bitter rivals, the Eels. If they beat Parramatta, we'll witness what many thought would be the rematch of last year's grand final this year in a prelim instead, the Storm against the Panthers. Both of these matches this weekend in Mackay. It's great to see semi-final footy in the regions. Before we look ahead, though, we must look back at the bitter feud between Ivan Cleary and Wayne Bennett. There's certainly an issue there. Game has to address it at some stage, as now we've made it public. They practice it at training, so it's a tactic that they use. It's not an accusation. It's a fact, mate. That's what the pressure in the media comes from. You know, you, referees read the papers. Don't worry. The NRL has got to make a decision on uh, whether they're going to allow coaches to deliberately manipulate uh, referees and try and influence them. There's no public manipulation. I never said anything for three weeks. We played them three weeks ago. He was the one that's come out and started mouthing off. If you allow public manipulation and indirectly influencing it, I would say that you're only human if you're a referee. Surely it's my right to, to ask the referees what their interpretation of that is. Now, if that's manipulating the game, you're all kidding yourselves. I think the game could do itself a favour and come down on any, any case who wants to try and deliberately uh, influence a match official before a game. Never said a word. Three weeks ago I did it. Three weeks. He worked for the referees before he went back into coaching. I've got to assume he's got some mates there If you allow it to happen, it will happen. The Rabbitohs have pulled off a big win. Good theatre, wasn't it? No? Got everybody pumped up a little bit? That's what it's about. As a journalist, I loved every second of that. Not as much as Michael Chamis, though. You ignited that fuse with a story you released on Friday about Penrith and their disappointment, or I guess in the tactics that South were going to bring to that match. Do you think Ivan Cleary regrets making the comments he did to you? No, I don't think he regrets it. I think that Penrith have a feeling that they need to get down and dirty with the big dogs, and the big dogs are South, the big dogs are South and Melbourne, and the way. Yeah, and even Manly, where Des manipulates the media and, and the, the referees in bringing things up. Did it backfire? Yeah, it did. But it could have also worked in their favour. If Penrith went on and scored late in that game after that, that uh, Kalamatungi hit on Nathan Cleary, 
that they got a penalty off that. And if they went on score to win the game, then Ivan Cleary looks like a genius because I don't think they get that penalty unless Ivan does what he does early in the week and complains about the South Sydney players attacking Nathan. So that is the softest penalty for a kick. Cor- correct. So that's that was a I believe that's a direct result of what Ivan Cleary said in my article on last week that he's expecting South Sydney to illegally target Nathan Cleary. That penalty came as a result of that, and it would have, if Penrith had won that game, he would have been held a genius. Okay, so, so Ivan Cleary has called for change as to what coaches can and can't say pre-game in terms of influencing or, in his words, manipulating match officials. Once all this settles in the off-season, do you think the commission will actually look at this? Because we all know coaches are fined for what they say post-game. No. <laughs> the last two years, Penrith have been probably the best team in the regular season. What's changed? In the finals, this isn't new for Penrith. They've been ambushed the last four finals. They've conceded the first try. So regardless of the lead-up to the game, they just weren't there. They look tired. They look lethargic, unenergised. Whatever your coach is saying, once you run out, and do you think their players are running out going, man, I wonder what Ivan was talking about during the week with Wayne? And if that, No, they just didn't have the best game on the night. So I, I don't understand why... Penrith felt like they had to make a deal about this. You're the best team. You go out and act the best, regardless of what's been going on and what's been said. Well, it got back to Penrith. Now, this, this, is the, this is the crux of the story. It got back to Penrith that South Sydney had complained about their blockers, which Wayne later pointed out. Now, I rang Wayne before I published the initial story and said to him, so don't believe anything he says where he didn't read the story. He knew what was coming. He decided not to say anything because he said, mate, I've known about this for three weeks. Why would I bring this up now? I don't want to play it in the media. Penrith chose to. And now we see what's happened. But to, to, to what, the question you asked Sowie earlier about the NRL look into it, f- for what reason, what negative outcome over the last f- few days? Man, don't we, we want that? We, we love that. That's what we want. And I, I, it's, not, it's not because we've got our journalistic hats on here. The fans lapped it up. The TV ratings for the final series were up enormous on last year. And that game on, on uh, Saturday night between the Rabbits and Panthers was up, I think, 15% on the corresponding game last year. We need the theatre. That's where Origin, I feel, has gone backwards because there's too much love between the states. The players all get along. The coaches all get along. That sort of stuff is what sells the game the best. And we got a, a spectacle on Saturday night. Can you imagine, hypothetically, if South played Penrith in a grand final? The build-up. It, it, it's the dream that. grand final. Would Ivan say anything? Well, <laughs> he shouldn't. <laughs> he would he'd look down and say, Michael Chamis, denied. Uh, denied. <laughs> no, to be fair, it, it almost did pay off. I'm telling you, if they, if they went on, I know it's all hypothetical now, if they went on and won, yeah. it would have been worth everything that Wayne Bennett said because they got a penalty that they probably shouldn't have got. My point is, if you're the best team for the last two years, you don't worry about anything else that's happening. They beat them three weeks ago. Yeah, and comfortably going away from them. That's and South didn't have another gear. I said it here. Got it completely wrong on Saturday night. They looked two completely different teams. Okay, so you've called them the best team over the past two years. I would will I say regular season. Yep. Will they finish in the biggest game as premiers? No, Penrith won't. Purely because they have to face a storm in a prelim. Yeah, and I'm worried about them this week. The, the energy on Saturday night. Yeah. They just didn't have it. Their attack looked distressed. They looked tired. Yeah, there was the Penrith Panthers have been this young, energetic, hyped-up, emotional team for two years that are mouthing off and laughing and 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 I've loved it. I love sitting back and watching it. And yeah, they do it very respectfully within the, within the rules of the game. But when they got punched in the mouth the other night, it was like, I mean, these plays here. This wasn't South Sydney a couple of months ago. They were scrambling across. 
And the young heart, well, not young, but Cleary and, and Luai just didn't have any answers for that. Whether Dylan Edwards comes back and helps them, but they just look frandish, uh, frantic, Chamis. There were a couple of instances. They made a couple of line breaks, Penrith. And I felt like, I think Stephen Crichton had a decent game, but I felt if Dylan Edwards was there in support, what he's renowned for, Penrith put the game away. Crichton was nowhere to be seen in those incidents. Isaiah Yo made a bust through the middle and there was no one around. The other thing I want, you mentioned Luai Sowie. He looks tired to me. Mm. Is, is, are there concerns around Jerome? Yeah, I have been concerned and I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. When you come out of Origin, it's a different mentality because Origin is about getting prepared for one game and you know, all the trainings, you know, lovey-dovey and you've got everything put on, You all your meals are ready to go. You go back into club land, the excitement's probably not there as much because you know they've been known they're going to play finals for a long time. They probably thought, bang, we'll roll through this, get a week off and Melbourne's yeah. our, our big target, right? All of a sudden, they're behind in the game, they're chasing the game. That play just before half-time, the two things that summed up Penrith's performance on the weekend. The first set, all we heard about was that Cleary was going to air-raid uh, young Blake Taff. The first set, they go to Jerome Luai for a kick that wasn't a good kick, straight down to Taff, got him into the game. Second one, he drops off Cleary. And then just before half-time, the franticness with which they threw the ball around, they escaped, but it could have been six points the other way. Like They were thrown around like it was the last play of the game. This is before half-time. We haven't seen that from Penrith Panthers. We've seen them remain cool, calm, collected. Even against South Sydney a couple of weeks ago, they put on a couple of good tries, got themselves back in the game and, and won going away from them. We haven't seen the frankness with which they played on Saturday night. So you're telling me that after being so good to the last two regular seasons, they can lose it in 80 minutes of footy? In 80 minutes of footy. That This weekend they are vulnerable. They, the Parramatta Reels, I feel, played yesterday like... We've got, we've got another gear. And their forward pack, they attacked the forward pack. A couple of things. Mosley owed a huge loss. James Fisher-Harris was neutralised by this big South Sydney pack that was under question marks. They were dominated a couple of weeks ago. Well, a lot of Fisher-Harris's runs were on the back of Moses Leota's runs, which were no disrespect to Matty Eisenhuth, but there were, you know, there's a, a large discrepancy between those two. The other thing, see how we, I, I raised a few weeks ago, is that I felt Penrith have been vulnerable to an ambush. A few weeks ago when they played Souths, they got bashed up early. And they recovered. They just recovered in the second half. I think the way that Parramatta play, a very physical pack with Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo, mm. Nathan Brown, if they bash Penrith early, and you talk about them going into their shells and losing that confidence, I do fear for where, where the game will head if Penrith lose that confidence early. OK, so what about South Sydney? Uh, they've played in the last three prelim finals in 2018, 2019, 2020, but they've lost in week one, so they've had to do it the hard way. For the first time in four years, they get the week off. Will that prove the difference to get them over that prelim final hurdle? I think it will. I think they're in, I got it completely wrong about South. You know, I tweeted out after the game, that performance I did not see coming at all. I thought Penrith were going to roll through them, but what stood out for me was their big-name players. Without Latrell Mitchell, they stood up and they worked things out on the run. It wasn't all smooth sailing for South Sydney. No Latrell Mitchell, so how do we work Blake Taff into the attack? They went down that left-hand side, the right edge for Penrith, and Cody Walker and Reynolds played together a lot more down that edge. Damien Cook, he was good without being... Well, he was great without having to be even extra. He didn't try and overplay his hand, so that's going to play in South Sydney's favour. They get the week off and then you have guys like, you know, Jai Arrow, Burgess come off the bench. They were sensational right, yeah. in their stint. Yeah, Burgess was up there nearly man of the match. You put that in, in frame with the little general in, in his kicking game, they are going to be hard to beat. Alright, we, uh, well, Sal, we just mentioned him. He brought his A game against the Panthers last Saturday night. We're lucky enough now to be joined by Jai Arrow. Jai, thanks so much for joining us on Inside the NRL. No, thanks Amy, guys. Much appreciated. Jai, just about everybody wrote you off leading into week one of the finals. How did the Bunnies pull off one of the great finals upsets? 
Oh, look, I think we just focused on ourselves and what we had to do to win the game. And, um, you know, we, we enjoyed the challenge. We loved it. Obviously, um, we come off two pretty heavy losses against um, Penrith that we're you know, pretty filthy about and, and wanted to, I suppose, get that week off and, and refresh our, our minds and our, our bodies you know, leading into the pre- pre- preliminary final, however you say it. Jai, I was very critical after you lose 56-12 to 12 in round 11 against the Panthers and then the forward pack. You played them a couple of weeks ago and just didn't seem like you had another level. What changed on the weekend? The desperation was there, the defensive structures were there for the Bunnies that we haven't seen all year. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I think at the, at the end of the day, it was just everyone turned up for each other and, um, you know, we, we did all we could to, to make sure that we were... Um, right there in the fight in the whole game and, and we eventually run away with it they they sort of threw a lot, us, lot at us at the end of the game and um, as you can see through a chip chase and then obviously uh, kick out went down the sideline and broke our line as well and um, you know, everyone just kept turning up for each other and, and that's all you can really ask especially in a tough game like that but um, you know the job's not done yet we've still got um, another job next week and uh, definitely looking forward to that challenge as well as a forward pack, did you speak about going after James Fisher-Harris? He is the head of the snake out there. You felt like you stopped him, which really you know, stopped their forward pack and their go forward. You limited his touches and his movement. Yeah, he's definitely a classy, classy player. And, um, you know, he, he does a lot of work for them. And he's a, um, you know, he's a powerhouse in the middle. So he's definitely someone who, who we focused on in the middle. But not only that, they've got strike everywhere. So it was definitely a team effort. And... Um, no, we want that. We want to be a you know a good team leading into uh, you know the next game. So we'll we'll continue to do that and focus. Uh, have a defensive focus, especially leading to the to a you know a prelim. Joy, last year you were part of the Maroons setup under Wayne Bennett, and dubbed the worst team in in Origin history, and he managed to convince the team to to pull off an upset against the Blues, and he's done it again over the weekend. What, give us an insight into what Wayne Bennett does when your backs are against the wall and not many, t- not many people can give you a chance uh, up against an opposition. Yeah, he's the best at what he does, isn't he? Um, you know, he knows how to get you up for the big games and he, he says all the right things. And I think he just keeps it simple and, and he doesn't expect you to come up with these extravagant things or come up with the big plays. He just wants you to do the little things right. And... Um, you know, we were lucky enough. I thought we did that on the weekend. And as I said, we kept turning up for each other. And that's all he wanted from us was to, to keep ch- turning up. And, and uh, at the end of the day, all he, all he asked from us was to do our best. And um, all 17 people, I thought, did that on the weekend. And that's, uh, I guess, why a part of why we got the win. Joe, when you moved to South Sydney, you probably had visions starting in the side. How, have you addre- how did Wayne address you coming off the bench and how have you been able to make that position your own, play long minutes after that opening stint sort of dies down a little bit? Yeah, so he sort of come up, he just come up to me at training and said, oh, I want you to come off the bench. I said, yeah, no worries, Wayne. I'm up for anything. I, I want to um, you know, play my part in the side. But um, yeah, I knew I, I need to come on and bring energy and bring a bit of fire and I'm um, pretty passionate guy when it comes to rugby league so I, I guess I you know, brought a lot of passion and, and did my best out there and um, yeah, I enjoyed it it was obviously my first finals game for a while so I wanted to make an impact and, and enjoy my role and enjoy the, you know playing in a final series because um, you know winning an NRL game can be pretty hard but to make a finals and, and win a finals game can be harder so um, you know, I'm just you know, relishing the moment at, the, at, the, at this point in time and um, I'll continue to do that and keep my, keep my cool and 
um, enjoy the ride as it goes. Joe, the players took centre stage on Saturday night, but the sideshow, Wayne versus Ivan and the, and the war of words, what are the players making that? Do they enjoy it? Has there been much been spoken about what was said between the two coaches? Uh, look, I guess you, you get a little giggle out of it and um, you, know, you can sort of have a joke here and there. But, um, yeah, look, obviously didn't really read in it, into it too much, but um, you know, there's a few words said and, and, and both coaches were sticking up for their team. And um, I'm sure that's what any coach in the NRL, NRL would do is to stick up for their players. And, um, yeah, that's that. Jai, two key figures at Redfern are leaving at the end of this year. Your captain and halfback, Adam Reynolds, also the coach, Wayne Bennett. How much of a motivating factor is that for the whole team to send them out with a premiership? Yeah, look, uh, I suppose for them to, they, they wouldn't say it to us, but um, as a player who will be at the club next year, it's definitely um, on the back of my mind and, and especially... Um, you know, with Wayne being my first NRL coach to um, you know, him leaving next year, it's definitely in the back of my mind. And then Renault, who's been such a vital part to our team and he's been at the club since, um, you know, a little kid. And he's won a comp here. He's, um, you know, the leading point scorer. He's done it all at the club. So we want to send that that little pest off a, off a winner. So, um, you know, we're in the right position at the moment and um, we're just going to have to continue to train hard and, and um, do our thing and, and make sure we're ready for um, anything that's thrown at us. So one thing that will be thrown your way, either a rooster or a seagull next week, what do you do on Friday night when those two teams go toe-to-toe? Uh, sit back, enjoy, let them bash each other and um, you know, put the feet up. Um, you know, just in, in, sort of enjoy having uh, the week off and, and um, you know, I suppose you know, watch them two go at it to see who we're playing. So... I think the feet will be up and um, you know, we'll be watching it, no doubt. And, and then you know, the coaches will do their bit to, to uh, do the video and we'll go into training, um, getting ready for the week leading into the prelim. Jai, as always, thanks so much for joining us on Inside the NRL. Best of luck uh, in next week's prelim final. Thanks, Eve, guys. Appreciate it. All right, let's focus on the other teams that will feature this weekend in the semifinals. Starting with Manly, let's look at their run into the finals because a lot of us thought they would be really competitive last week against Melbourne. They had a big win against, the biggest win of any team rather, in round 16 against the Bulldogs. Then they lost to the Raiders. Their only other loss in the run home was against Melbourne, while their only other match against the top eight team was against the Eels. So, Sowie, were Melbourne simply too good last Friday night, or did a soft draw in the lead-up to the finals give us a false indication on Manly's premiership credentials? Oh, I don't think you could disrespect Melbourne like that. They were sensational. They, you know, I think they've only lost one game in four years in Queensland, but the way that they started with their intensity, and you give Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm time to plan against Tom Trebojevic, they neutralised him as a team. There wasn't just one focus. As a team, they didn't give anything. And, and yes, the start was great you know, with uh, Brandon Smith. But on the edges, I've had concerns about the, the young back rowers for Manly defensively. They had shape thrown at them. You could see Ola Kawatu. Emotionally, he was up for the game, maybe a little bit too up for the game. And that sort of got the better of him because... You know, when everything's going 100 mile an hour, you need cool heads in those big situations. The young guys in the Manly side didn't have their best game, and it was almost like the finals. Yeah, they've been thinking we're on a roll here, we're untouchable, and you come up against the old dogs who've been there and done it before, and they taught them a lesson. More so than any other team that's remaining in the comp, are Manly a momentum team? If if they get behind, start early, are they got like more than any other team? They get- yeah, yeah, well, yes and no. Yeah, I think that. 
I actually thought it was a good loss. Weird, weirdly to say, but a good loss to have if you're a Manly fan because you go to the other side now. Penrith aren't there. You know, this is a side that could learn very quickly. Don't forget they started 0-4 mm. and Des said it would be all right. So now they get to pull back a little bit. You know, where do we where do we improve? How do we if we get ourselves in this situation again? You know, how are we going to how are we going to be able to do that? It'll it'd be hard this week against the Roosters. I think they'll get that done. And you'd have to say if they played full strength, best games against South Sydney. They've shown probably a little bit more consistency than what South Sydney have in terms of going to that next level. Can South do a job on Tom like Melbourne did? Yeah, well, Michael, Jamie just mentioned how the Storm neutralised Tom Draboyevich. Do the Roosters have the ability to do the same? Oh, they probably don't have the same ability in the side defensively to, to, to pull it off, but they've got firepower themselves in James Tedesco to match it. I, 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 you get a feeling that these two, it's going to be an attacking game of football and, and the battle of the fullbacks is going to determine who wins this game. I know a lot was made of the, the Melbourne pack and the way they, they bashed Manly in week one of the finals. But yeah, it's that's the other thing, right? The, the Manly pack got resold by the Melbourne pack. So, yeah, if you're going to let one player beat you, yeah, we've been all watching Tom Dubovic and he's having the best season, right? If, he's, if you're going to say, right, Tom's going to get his positions where he gets the ball, but we're going to make someone else beat you, Manly's forwards didn't stand up the other night. They were dominated by the Melbourne forwards. Now, that's the same for the Roosters. If the Roosters can get on top of that Manly forward pack, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tedesco... It's more even. The forward pack, Manly forward pack and the Roosters forward pack are probably more evenly balanced than the Storm. We, we knew that the Storm, if they aimed up, could bash Manly out of that game. I don't know if you say the same thing about the Roosters. I know Radley's back, but it's probably... The kicking game's going to be matched. important. The kicking game's crucial. If they can kick smart... You know, whether he starts Walker or not is going to be interesting. I don't know if you can carry Walker on the bench this week. They might become Lamb, use that utility, utility value, but the King game is going to be crucial. It could depend on what, happen with, what happens with Sam Verrills at the judiciary as well yeah. with that charge. He's facing Ridiculous. a, a one-game ban. The Roosters probably a bit you know, disappointed that Junior Paulo got off and, and Sam Verrills has be. been charged, but a lot will hinge on uh, what happens at judiciary on tomorrow night. Do you think Sam Verrills, the result at judiciary, will determine where Sam Walker plays? He played five minutes off the bench against the Dragons, only nine minutes, and had some key moments against the Titans. Yes. I think that if they lose Verrills, which they shouldn't, yeah, that's a... Oh, don't get me started. Um, yeah, Lamb would probably go to nine, and they would have to bring someone in to, to play utility, or maybe Radley fills in at, at nine a little bit. But, yeah, I think that if no Verrills, Walker will start at seven. All right, Mitchell Moses was the star against the Knights as the Eels progressed to week two of the finals. Sowie, his biggest test of the year comes this weekend against the game's best number seven in Nathan Cleary. Have you seen enough growth this year to suggest that he is ready to outprove and outshine Nathan Cleary this weekend in arguably the biggest game for, for Parramatta since 2009 prelim? If he packs the same boots he did the week of the Melbourne Storm game, yes. Yeah, this, this is Mitchell Moses' time because Penrith are vulnerable now. They're, they haven't got this second chance. It wasn't pretty yesterday by any means, but the ability for Mitchell Moses to, to go to the game and keep coming at the game, running the football, that's his best strength. And I thought yesterday in a big game where everything wasn't perfect, he did everything he could. Now his halves partner, Dylan Brown, that's a different story. He just isn't in the game at the moment. Mitchell Moses is the main man for that team. He is the actual emotional beacon to be able to get them in. Brown needs to get involved. So as a, as a player who's criticised for not running enough, because your running game during your heyday was one of the best of all, of all the halves, Mitchell probably falls into the same category. He's probably one of the fastest players in the comp. And we saw yesterday the damage he can do. What goes on in the player's psyche when you're feeling the urge to run more than pass? 
it's a it's a controlled balance because there's times where you need to be able to pass and, and set up, but there's times where you just instinctively run. And I think that's part of Mitchell's game. Instinctively, he needs to go, right, we're on the front foot here and just run. When he plans to run or when you plan to run, that's when the defence closes really, really quickly. So, yeah, for me yesterday, that try is instinctive. Mitchell Mose looking up over the advantage line rather than just playing. So, yeah, you have to find a balance because they do have some players there in that big forward pack to be able to get you over that advantage line. Very similar storylines with Penrith and Parramatta in terms of their halves, their sevens and sixes this week. And all Manly fans are in for a treat this Wednesday night in an NRL.com exclusive as Kieran Foran reflects on Manly's last premiership season in 2011. Warriors have been valiant, but not much left in the tank. Glenn Stewart, he gets it away for Jamie Lyon to score in the shadows of full time. I don't think I felt as excited and relieved ever in a moment. It was the best feeling I'd ever felt in my footy career. The siren sounds and Manly have won the grand final. You know, looking back on it now, I think you'd, I was so young, you'd, I didn't really realise the magnitude of, of what we had done. Alright, it's now time for this week's Casualty Ward brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Roosters prop COCY Talk Aho needs scans on a calf injury as he races the clock to be fit for Friday's clash with Manly. His tough as nails teammate Victor Radley had dismissed concerns around an AC joint issue in his shoulder and he's confident he'll be ready to rumble against the Seagulls. Manly's Lachlan Croker trained yesterday after a back injury forced him out late. Uh, ahead of last Friday's loss to the Storm. Penrith the hopeful, Moses Leota and Dylan Ed- Edwards will both be fit to return in Saturday's elimination game against Parramatta. They have calf and foot injuries respectively. Tyrone May has re-injured his MCL and is only set to start running again this week, but won't return until week three of the finals at best. Meanwhile, the Eels are confident Nathan Brown will overcome his corking time to face the Panthers on Saturday. There was some good news for the Storm across the weekend as well. Hooker Brandon Smith was cleared of a facial fracture, which is a massive win ahead of their grand final qualifier in a fortnight. In another boost for the Premiership favourites, Craig Bellamy has confirmed Josh Adokar will be ready to return from a hamstring injury. And some fresh news today. The NRL has rescheduled next Saturday's prelim final featuring the Storm from 7.50 to 4pm so it doesn't clash with the AFL Grand Final. All right, two teams that won't be featuring in the next couple of weeks of the NRL Finals are the Knights and the Titans. So it's time to get out the report cards again, gents. Are the Knights, 14 rounds into the season, they were 14th on the back of a return of some key players. They made a second straight final series, winning five of the last six matches before the finals. How do you rate their season, Sally? Uh, what's a pass mark here? I thought they could have won that game yesterday. Maybe B minus. You know, I think that the talk around Mitchell Pearce, I don't know when it started, but it just seems to have affected them a little bit in terms of if he's going to leave the club, if he's going to sign an extension. They need to make a decision on that because yesterday they had the team and they had Parramatta there to beat them, um, but they haven't evolved their attack enough. You know, it's very Callum Ponga, Chamis. If he's on, we're a chance. If not, we're not going to win. Just on that man, Callum Ponga, November one becomes a free agent if he wants to get options. Are you happy what you're seeing from Newcastle? Do you stick around from, to finish what you've started? She's Brisbane and be enticing. The, the new team? Well, even the Broncos. Okay. 
you know, if you get Adam Reynolds, Payne Husker, Tony Staggs, Herbie Farmworth, and you're going back home, um, that would be very interesting. Any commentary around his future, he has continually said he's a knight moving forward beyond the end of next year. What do you rate the season, Michael? Uh, I think I think it's a pass mark, to be honest with you. I think, uh, especially the moment they lost Pierce early with injury, I, they're, they're a team capable of taking the next step. They're another piece away. I don't know what that piece is. You've said all along they're probably a, a number six short of moving that. Well, they've found step. their number six. Well, Clifford's been great in the last month, and he's obviously going to be their long-term number six, maybe their long-term number seven, as we said with conjecture around Mitchell Pierce's future. But, yeah, there's something about the Knights that just... They've got a great pack, some good halves, and Kale in there. Just something just doesn't sit right with me. I don't know what it is. Can't put my finger on it, Sally. All right, time to move on to the Titans. Some big-name recruits saw them begin the season as a team that will definitely play finals footy. It wasn't guaranteed until the final round of the regular season. They scraped in in eighth spot. Michael, what do you give them? Yeah, pass. Everyone at the start of the year said finals football uh, would be a, a good effort from the Titans signing Tina Fasua Malawi and David Fafita. <laughs> they, they got there. So to me, pass mark, they build from that. They could be a top four team in a couple of years' time. Mm, not for me. No? You, no? I don't think you even had them in your eight. Yeah, they made the eight, but it wasn't... It wasn't pretty. Yeah, this is a side that had big, big hopes of taking that next step. They need to find a number nine ASAP, and they need to find someone that's going to partner Jamal Fogarty. Yeah, it went right down to the death, but that play right there summed up the Titans' season. Yeah, promising, 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 and then we get to the final hurdle, and we're just not sure what's going to happen. A lot of immature performances this year. I know that making the teams that make the eight, that's not a pass mark if you're going out in the first week. For, for a team that hasn't played finals football in a long time, oh, yeah, and been, look, been in the doldrums and, you know, they recruited but well. But their performances this year haven't been great. No, they haven't. And that's probably the worst eighth-place team that we've seen in a long time in terms of win-loss ratio over the course of the season. But to answer your question about who partners Fogarty in the halves, surely you have to play AJ Brimson at six, given what Jaden Campbell's been doing at fullback. Is, is that a fair assumption, or do you go... Yeah, AJ but Brimson? Jamal Fogarty needs to take the next step now. Yeah. He needs to take the next step. Yeah, that when the game's on the line... Your halfback has to kick your field goal, not your utility who's playing at number six. All right, just quickly, to wrap this up, uh, do these teams finish higher or lower next year? Ooh. Titans higher, Newcastle lower. Yeah. Both agree. All right, <laughs> it must be time for hit or miss. <laughs> Paul Green, he won't be the coach of the Maroons moving forward, so Billy Slater will be the next Queensland coach, Jamie Soward. Yeah, hit. I tipped it. I think a couple of weeks ago when we interviewed Billy, I believe that he'd be a great coach. You, know, and you have to listen to him talk about how much he loves the game and loves that Queensland jersey, so a hit for me. Yeah, it's a hit for me. I think it's a no-brainer. I think he'll do it uh, when push comes to shove. He'll weigh up the options and he'll be Queensland coach. Talk to me uh, about a Bennett-Slater coaching duo combo for 2022 before Bennett potentially moves on. The year after that. Well, it'd be it'd be Smith Slater, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's not just for a year though for for Slater to learn off the greatest ever. Yeah, arguably, there might be some sort of consultancy role. Uh, you know, might Mal, be Mal Meninga. You just yeah, need yeah. a bit of that special Wayne. Yeah, Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> he, he also needs to he also needs to create his own identity as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't I don't think there's a would it be Mal or Wayne there that he brings Billy. back? I was going to say there's no obvious connection between Wayne and Billy. There, the, the Mal Billy connection is is far greater. Uh, there's a new host of the show, we'll answer the question. All right, here we go. Sam Walker's match-winning field goal against the Titans should not have stood. Back over to you, Michael. Uh, I'm going to say miss. It, sh- it should have... 
Under the, this is a tough one. Under the current rules, under the current rules, the NRL has said this is fine because there was separation between the two blockers there next to the mark. I didn't like that they were in front of the play the ball, but under the rules, Graham Manersley has today said it is a it's a it's a the correct decision. A field goal deserved to stand. Now Sowie has got a different Picasso. Well, hit. He's, he's got a COVID safe social distancing game plan that he wants. Okay, to Okay, hit. Here's where we're going to get to though. All right, let's have a look at this bad boy. <laughs> okay, because the rule says that you can stand side by side, you can't stand side by side, but you can actually create a maze. So here's the field goal kicker, and here's all these little blockers. So going forward, uh, if I'm involved with the Dragons next year and you see this setup where we've got all these players just blocking through and the defenders, that's what you're going to see. It's ridiculous, the rule. I thought we'd gotten past all this kind of stuff. Uh, it was a great field goal from Walker, but yeah. Hit for me. Your kids would be proud of uh, your artwork there. My handwriting, yeah. I just don't understand. It's it's more about the setup, you know, leading into that. That's why players get it wrong and field goal, can, you know, people get it wrong. He's passionate about this field goal he, business, he's, Michael. He's just we, selling himself for next year. He's just trying to show his coaching skills. That's what he's trying to do here. That's all he's. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The NRL needs to change the ruling around drop kicks, Michael. <sighs> Uh, well, I don't want to go into drop kicks on this panel, but I... Hey, um, are you having a crack at me or Sally? No, no, no. I'm talking about field goals, drop kicks. Um, <laughs> I think it's a hit for me. I think it's a hit for me. Uh, you think it's a hit? Yeah. It's, an ob- it's the most obvious hit we've had in four years. Yes, li- yes. But I'm going to ask you this, right? With, with, with the, we're talking about the Gutherson situation if people haven't put things together. <laughs> I... I this is, this is, to me, he's making a play at a kick here. Definitely. He didn't do it, so to me it's a knock-on. But to say that he didn't attempt to kick would be inaccurate. I, I don't like when players drop the ball and then try and kick it and we say it's play on. Well, you dropped the ball, you got lucky and got, to boot, uh, got a boot to it. At least Clint Gutherson tried to kick the ball there. Had a shocker, but he tried to kick the ball there. He changed the rule. Ridiculous. So what's the rule? Ball. What's the rule change? You, that is, you can only drop kick the ball when you drop kicking for a field goal. Yeah, agree. Right? Is that a field goal attempt? No, it's not. That's, right. It's Thank shambolic. you. Back to you, Zach. <laughs> I'm just lost. Yeah, but you're talking about the other side of the rule when they actually accidentally drop How it. How many sides to a rule there is? You can't have rule 1A, 1B, oh, all the same It's rule. the NRL. We can have as many rules as we like. Ridiculous. One rule is we have to move on. Last week's losers will be this week's winners. So for Michael, that means Manly and Penrith win. Yeah, uh, hit for me. I think Manly... Manly will be too good for the Roosters and there'll be a nail-biter out west. Well, it might be out west, but the Western Sydney derby between Penrith and Parramatta, I think Penrith will be too good. Oh, I'm going to say miss hit. I don't know. Miss hit? Yeah, I don't know. Not confident? Well, I don't know what happened with Penrith on the weekend. They just look... Geez, you're quick to fall out of love with people. That's not a side that finished second that was, you know, marching through everything that everyone put in their way. That was really uncharacteristic. It may be a one-off, but Penrith, uh, Parramatta got a free hit here this weekend. Yeah, no one's expecting them to win. They've got a free hit to win this game. And finally, Sowie, you were an emotional player. Corey Thompson had every right to spray his teammates in the dying stages of the Titans' season-ending loss to the Roosters. <laughs> I've walked out the back in the green room and I've sprayed this bloke just <laughs> like that after shows. <laughs> all right. Hit. It's all right. All's fair on, on the field. You're emotional. He needed to pass it. Oh, poor old Patrick Herbert. I'm sure there's probably been a few jokes that shared over a couple of beers. And uh, he's fired up. I love it. If that happened in the 24th minute in round seven, I'd think 
Calm, relax. Calm your farm, Corey Thompson. With the season on the line, he knows they would have scored, booked themselves a game in week two of the finals. I can, I can pay that. That's okay. He apologised after. He's one of the good guys of the NRL, Corey Thompson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow that. Yep, he is a champ, and it's time for our champ of the week here on Inside the NRL. This man has featured a couple of times already this year. His name's Mossy Masoy. There were incredible scenes at Craven Park across the weekend. Not a dry eye in the house. Mossy was farewelled by the Hull KR faithful. Of course, he suffered that career-ending spinal injury in the Super League in January last year. He was told he may never walk again, and this vision is just so special. Joined by his kids out on field, walking out aided by his crutches. Mossy will head home with his wife, Carissa, and his three children in November. And what a way. I saw this across the weekend. Mm. And I, was, I thought, yeah, where, where, yeah, where, where's, the, where's the tissues? Because yeah. it was just incredible. Amazing. Amazing. And, uh, of course, you can uh, donate to the Mossy Masoy Foundation at mossymasoyfoundation.co.uk. As for the chump, me, for the week, but also Kalen Ponga. Seriously, we love watching you play. But you've just got to... <laughs> oh, that was very dangerous. We've seen several players do it since Aaron Woods did it during Origin. And Connor Watson's face... But that's more dangerous than a crusher tackle. Like, just... You're saying he should it, be charged? He should be charged. Just because it's on your own teammate doesn't mean you're not putting someone in danger. He's a chump. Grade one crusher. Grade one crusher. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> you should join the MRC. All right. Well, uh, we are deep in the final series this year, all eyes are also going to be on 2022 soon, including State of Origin. You could be there for all three matches with a special prize up for grabs. Thanks to Coates for your chance to win the golden ticket for you and a mate to attend all three men's Origin matches. Visit www.coatesgoldenticket.com.au and you can get your golden ticket to NRL teams tomorrow right here on nrl.com. Neve Owens, Brett Kamali and Robbie Farrah will bring you the latest team news for the sudden death semi-finals as soon as the team lists drop. They'll be on air at 3.55pm Australian Eastern Standard Time before they announce the official teams at 4pm. That's it for this week's edition of Inside the NRL. Michael, thank you. You're a bit unruly down the end today. I enjoyed our conversations about drop kicks. <laughs> Jamie, thank you as always. Loving the mo. Uh, for our fans based in Queensland, make sure you head to nrl.com forward slash tickets to get your hands on... Your tickets for this weekend's semi-finals. For the rest of you, only six teams remain. Who will win the 2021 NRL Telstra Premiership? Maybe the storyline that we've got this year. Terrific bounce. Scott Crichton coming out after it, but he's gone the other way. A little soccer. We have come from a bit of a different path, and I think through that, it's instilled us a, a whole different set of values and beliefs that before we even started off with. Off that, we found a bit of an identity and, you know, we created this sort of environment and, and style of footy that, you know, gets people excited to watch Manly on the weekends. So hoping that sort of path we take is a bit of a storyline that can sort of roll into a grand final win and a massive sort of underdog story would be unreal. season we've had 
the combinations that we formed at that time this year. And our coach has got a world of knowledge and experience in this in this arena, and I'm sure we can lean on him for a bit of advice. He'll have that calming influence over the group. Craig's very you know process orientated coach, and the week to week processes is what he'll drive you know with our playing group. And you know these opportunities don't present themselves. You know while we've been lucky as a club the last sort of few years to you know be involved in grand finals and finals, it's certainly something we don't take for granted. So that's something that he'll be you know pushing big time. There's confidence and there's belief within us. Akiaho, big run and the pass. Who's in support? None other than their talisman. I think if you look at only our team, obviously we've got a few missing, but we've still got a, a great squad and a great team and got Rob Ocationist. Just our belief. Moses, overhead ball, Ferguson to score. The belief in our squad, not only the 17 that go out every single uh, week, it's that full 30-man squad that we've used this year. and. I think the way they prepare us and everyone's so selfless, I think that's why we'll win it.